All right, all right, okay, okay. What's up, everybody? It's LJ Talks Facts right here. Expensive Facts, like always, of course. Hope you guys are having a great Thursday afternoon. It is hot as a motherfucker out here today. Oh, man, it really is. It's a warm, hot summer day. Hope you guys are doing great wherever you are. Hope you're staying cool. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to tomorrow because me and my boy KMGJ are going to the Yankees-Red Sox game. It's our second time ever seeing the Yankees versus the Red Sox. We saw them back in 2019 on August 3rd. It was the second game of the doubleheader, which the Yankees won 6-4. So hopefully the Yankees win the first game of the series tonight, and hopefully they can go up 2-0 in the series against Boston tomorrow. You know, hopefully it's a big second half for the Yankees. But let's talk about AEW Fighter Fest Night 1. And I really enjoyed the show. Back-to-back week so far of AEW with the four special events with Road Rager last week and Fighter Fest Night 1 last night. It was awesome. Fighter Fest Night 1 last night was awesome. I really enjoyed it. You know, there really wasn't any bad match. There wasn't any bad matches at all. Like, the one match I would say I didn't particularly care for that much, I would have to say it would be the Christian Cage-Matt Hardy match. I just didn't really care for it that much. You know, it's just how I feel about it. It was just like, eh, it was whatever. You know, I'm not saying it was a bad match. It was just like, eh, it was, it was okay. Nothing really else I could say about it. But the show kicks off with the IWGP United States Championship. The returning John Moxley versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson. So it's great to see John Moxley back. We haven't seen him since Double or Nothing when him and Andy Kingston took on the Unbucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. It really was a shame that Moxley and Kingston didn't win, but got to see them reunited once more here at Fighter Fest Night 1. And I got to say, you know, Moxley versus Carl Anderson, you know, it was a great match. Great match. You know, like the story behind it, like Carl Anderson wanted to bring back the IWGP United States Championship back to the elite, you know, like because Kenny Omega was the first ever IWGP United States Champion. John Moxley has held that title since January 4th of 2020 when he beat Lance Archer in a Texas death match in the Tokyo Dome. And, and Moxley's had a long reign. He's had a long, long reign. That's the beauty part about AEW. You know, they work with other companies. It's just the beauty part right there, letting the wrestlers work in other companies. That's something you won't see. I'm not trying to take a shot at WWE. I'm just saying. As long as Vince is still around, it's just never going to happen. I know Triple H said, oh, you know, we're working, we're open to work with other companies. That's just not true. You have to say that, yeah, but it's not true. You know what I mean? They have to look good. It's a real shame because I want to see WWE work with other companies. I feel like as long as Vince is around, he's just not going to allow it. He wants to just be a hole. He's not going to put any other wrestlers from different companies over. He just won't do it. I just don't think he will. That's just my opinion. I think everybody would believe it. Some people could be optimistic and say, oh, no, he would put other people over. I, I don't think so. In the past, he did work with other companies. You know, like ECW had Jerry Lawler go there from one show, and he brought in ECW to Monday Night Raw back in 97, I believe, you know. But other than that, you won't see any other, like, you know, working relationships. You just won't. As long as Vince is still around, I just don't, I just don't see it. Maybe they've tried. I think Vince is just, like, you know, one put all his guys over. He probably doesn't want to put over anybody else from another company that comes to their shows. It's just how it is. That's just my opinion, though. I could be wrong. You know, maybe if WWE starts work with other companies, maybe I'll start watching because it'll be interesting. You know what I mean? But besides the point, I just love the relationships that AEW has. It's great. That's what, that's what I love about it. You know, it shouldn't just be as a whole. Bring some other guys in, too. Like, that's the beauty part right there last year. Like, during... The heap of the pandemic, they brought in all these independent wrestlers. Now, most of them have jobs now in AEW, which is great. The Varsity Blondes are finally signed with AEW. 
They were just there. They weren't officially signed with AEW. Now they finally are. And hopefully uh, Fuego Del Sol gets signed, which I really hope he does. You know, it's great. Seeing all these independent wrestlers come in, getting a chance, you know. Especially Ricky Starks last year and Eddie Kingston, you know. It's been great. It's been fun. But now let's get to the match right between John Moxley and Carl Anderson for the IWGP United States Championship. And I thought it was a banger of a match. It was one-on-one because Eddie Kingston hit fucking Doc Callis with a pipe and they fought in the crowd, you know. And besides, you know, I wanted to mention, like, the pop for John Moxley when he came out was enormous. Everybody's singing Wild Thing. It was insane. It's the beauty part about having fans back. It's great. You know, even though AEW, you know, like, they, you know, they're, like, in small arenas, you know. Well, they aren't going to be in small arenas, obviously, in the future. They're going to be going to Chicago in September. They're going to be at the Prudential Center in Jersey and, obviously, the Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is almost sold out. So, you know, they're going to be in pretty big venues pretty soon which is going to be great. You know, but just hearing like over 4,000, 5,000 fans going nuts and just being loud as fuck, you love it. You love to see it. Us AEW fans are very loud. Love it. You just love to see that passion and energy. (laughs) Getting amazing pops. It really is. You know, but I really thought Mox and Anderson put on a good match. Carl Anderson's a very underrated worker, to be honest, when he wrestles singles matches. You know, he's not just like a great tag team wrestler. He's an underrated singles wrestler. He's pretty good. He's pretty good, not gonna lie. You know, and he and him and Mox put on a good match. I really enjoyed it. You know, and um, with the New Japan rules, you know, it's a 60-minute time limit the match, and obviously when you go outside, it's a 20 count, it's not a 10 count. That makes it a little more unique, which I actually didn't know. Or maybe they announced it during the Mox-Nagata uh, match back in May. I probably wasn't paying attention. But, um, but yeah, it's a pretty unique thing. But yeah, like I said, again, I enjoyed the match. I was happy it was one-on-one. We didn't see any BS interference, you know. It was a good match. It was a good match by these two guys. You know, I expected... You know, what what I expected for this match, I didn't think it was going to be that good. I thought it was going to be like a decent match. Like, okay. No, it was was fucking good. It really was a great way to start off Dynamite. You know, like last week when they started off Dynamite, or Road Rage, I should say, with uh, Cody and QT Marshall, it was, like I said, again, that match was okay. You know, nothing, nothing really special, to be honest. I mean, obviously, the lights going out, foreshadowed to Malachi Black coming out. We'll get to him and Cody in a little while. But, yeah, Mox and... Ar- and I about to say Arn. Holy shit, I about to say Arn Anderson. Mox and Carl Anderson, they put on a good match. So I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Great way to start Fighter Fest night one. You know... And like I said, it was great that it was, there was no BS in the match. Just one-on-one for the title. It was a good match. Really enjoyed it. It was a great way to start it off. You know, and I thought Machine Gun Carl Anderson was going to win when he hit the Spine Buster. And he also did another pretty cool move. I don't know if that's one of his signatures that he was doing. I really thought he was, I really thought he had it won. Or I really thought, like, Kenny was going to get involved. Maybe, like, the Young Bucks were going to get involved. And they were going to screw Mox out of the title. But no. You know, Mox had a beautiful paradigm shift on Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Pinned him one, two, three. And John Moxley is still the IWGP United States Champion. But after the match, we heard from the Murderhawk Monster, a former IWGP United States Champion, Lance Archer. And Lance Archer said, you know, Mox, you were the one that beat me for the IWGP United States Championship. And you've beaten the likes of uh, Kenta and Nagata and now Machine Gun Carl Anderson. But I never got my rematch. So you beat me 
in a Texas death match at the Tokyo Dome January 4, 2020. So now next week in Texas, in Garland, Texas, Lance Archer right now is challenging John Moxley in a Texas death match for the IWGP United States Championship. Put that in the fucking main event. That match is going to slap. Like, holy shit, Texas death match in Texas. The pop Archer's going to get is going to be crazy. Mox might get booed out of the building. But, well, no, they do. Uh, I don't know, it's Archer. No, it's his home state, though. I don't know. Mox might get some, he might get some heat out there. Oof. Yeah, I think Mox is, he's going to get booed out there. He, yeah, he is. I think he's definitely going to get booed. But Archer's finally getting his rematch. Archer's finally gets rematched. Can Archer finally win something here in AEW? I know it's not an AEW title, but, you know, he's been in big title matches in AEW, and he hasn't won. You know, against Cody for the first ever in the first ever TNT Championship match. He faced John Moxley for the AEW World title, and he lost. And then he faced, you know, Miro for the TNT title at double nothing, and he lost. So, will Archer win right here? Well, I mean, say, like, is he going to win a big match here on AEW, on an AEW program? And he might... We'll see what happens, though. A lot of rumors like Suzuki might be coming in to AEW to go after Mox. That would be something. That would be something. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but the challenge is out there. But now we get to the next match right here. The FTW Championship match between the Machine, Brian Cage, the FTW Champion, versus Absolute Ricky Starks. And seeing Ricky Starks back in the ring after three months, after he broke his neck... And seeing him back in the ring in three months is just amazing. It's just amazing. And this match, I got to say, it was a good match. You know, it was funny, like, how Excalibur brought up, like, the FTW title is, like, an outlaw title. Yeah, it's not recognized by any other companies. It's not recognized by AEW. It's Taz's championship. So it's not going to be recognized as, oh, the AEW FTW championship. That wouldn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It's just on AEW programming, which I love. Some renegade shit like uh, Taz said last year at Fighter Fest Night 2. So, Brian Cage has held on to that title for a year. I believe he's only defended it once on Dynamite. I think he may have defended it on Dark a couple times. But I remember the one time he defended it on Dynamite was against, at the time, Will Hobbs. Now he's powerhouse. Hobbs. It was against Will Hobbs on October 7th of last year at the Chris Jericho 30th anniversary show. And those two put on a good match. It was a start Dynamite, and I really thought... Hobbs is going to win, but no. So, ever since then, yeah, Brian Cage hasn't defended that title. He's just had it. Like I said, I'm sure he's defended it on Dark or Dark Elevation. I'm sure he has. I mean, like I said, I've never watched Dark or Dark Elevation. I'm just saying that right now, guys. I know I've said it before, but if you're new here, I don't watch AW Dark or AW Dark Elevation. So, I just only watch Dynamite and the pay-per-views, obviously, of course. But not Cage and Starks, like the storyline between Team Taz. You know, because Team Taz really hadn't been doing anything interesting recently other than well you could say like after the um team taz and darby and sting feud yeah they got into a little feud like with christian cage for like you know a little while but i think i think those plans were halted after uh starks got hurt i think they were trying to do starks they were going to do starks versus christian cage but obviously rick starks got hurt against hangman adam page three months ago so that's what i think they were going with to be honest um, and then it would lead to, like, Brian Cage versus Christian Cage, whatever the fuck. But no. So, plans change right there. But then, yeah, Brian Cage had a really good program with Hangman, you know, at Double Nothing. They put on put on a pretty good match, and I really enjoyed it. 
You know, and that was a match to start off double or nothing. They put on a great match, you know. But this match right here between Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, it was great. Storytelling was great. Taz is on commentary. You know, the match started off a little bit slow, to be honest. You know, I think it may have been a little bit of ring rust for Starks. He hasn't been in the ring in three months. So, you know, of course, there's going to be a little bit of ring rust there. But I thought he did good. I thought Starks did good. They did do a little bit of a botch at the beginning of the match. And people noticed it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, listen, I kind of expected... Not the match to be sloppy, but, to, you know, it'd be a couple spots that look kind of, like, awkward, to be honest. Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, it's ring rust, most likely. But there were some pretty cool spots during this match. There really were. You know, you see Brian Cage, for a guy his size, the way that he moves. You know, it's not like he's a seven-foot guy, but the way that he's built and how he moves like a fucking high flyer, excuse me, is just amazing. It really is. You know, and Starks, all the cool moves that he was doing. He picked up Brian Cage... When he picked this motherfucker up, because Brian Cage is like 100 pounds more than Starks. I believe Cage is like, was like 260, 270, and Starks like 193, I believe they said. And seeing him pick up Cage, I was like, holy shit. I was like, my God, in the beginning of the match, like when Brian Cage just picked up Starks like he was nothing, just tossed them down. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. But there were some pretty cool spots in this match, like I mentioned. Those two spots were really cool, and you know... When Starks was outside the ring, he grabbed the FTW title belt and Cage took him down and Cage put it like a little bit in the ring. So now you know there's going to be a spot right there that's going to happen. You know, it might be a little bit of a BS spot, but something's going to happen because now it's in place. It's like, it's like a seed that's been planted, you know, something's going to happen right here. But they kept going at it and they were going at it in the ring, you know. And that was, a, actually, I had to admit though, when Brian Cage, when he super kicked Starks, that was a beautiful super kick. I was like, Jesus. I was like, my God. Just seeing what this guy Cage can do in the ring for a guy his size is amazing. It really is. I thought the match was over there, and then, you know, Starks kicked out. And then Starks was going to grab the FTW title. And then Brian Cage, or before Brian Cage gets involved right there, we saw Powerhouse Hobbs get involved. He grabs the FTW title belt and says, no, 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 you're not going to do that. I'm like, oh, so I guess... Team Taz is on Brian Cage's side. They're not on Ricky Stark's side. So I'm like, okay. And then Brian Cage hits Ricky Stark. It looked like an F5. And I thought the match was over. No, Ricky Stark kicks out. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we saw a hook distract the referee. And then Brian Cage is going after he's going after Starks. Tries to go after him. He's near the ropes. And Powerhouse Hobbs nails Brian Cage with the FTW title. I'm like, holy shit. And Starks hits Cage with a spear. One, two, three. We have a new FTW champion. His name is Absolute Ricky Starks. I was in total shock. And the whole crowd was going nuts. They were going absolutely bananas in Texas last night. Just hearing that pop on TV for Starks, who is a heel. Who is a heel. And see a heel like him get cheered. This motherfucker is over. This motherfucker is so over in this company. He really is. Just as a wrestler in general. You already know there's big things coming for Ricky Starks in the future. He's going to be a future AEW World Champion. You already know. He's going to be. That was something right there. So now Team Taz has betrayed the machine Brian Cage. And now he's all alone. So it looks like we will see a babyface run for the machine Brian Cage. You know. Now it gives Brian Cage something you know new to do. Because... You could always face Miro for the TNT title. That would be a really good match. Miro and Brian Cage. Oof. 
That would be a bang of a match right there. Those two would tear the house down. Wherever they would wrestle, they would absolutely tear the house down. But now there's definitely hell to pay right now. So I'm sure next week Cage is going to try to get some redemption. What I think they should do for Cage to really get revenge, he should go after Hook. Like, he should really go after him. And, and I don't know, you really got to get, like, Taz to be weak. Because, you know, Taz is not a weak man. Taz is one of the most badass motherfuckers to ever walk the face of this earth. But you have to get him, you know, at his weakest now. Get him distracted. So that's what I think Brian Cage should do. Like, Hook should go missing on Dynamite, and Cage should take him and beat him up and just beat him up and beat him up and beat him up. That's what I think he should do. Really get to Taz. That's the way to show that you fucked up. You messed with the wrong motherfucker. Because Brian Cage was loyal to Team Taz. He was loyal to Taz ever since, you know, Taz introduced him at Double or Nothing last year. So that's what I would do. If I'm writing this, that's what I would do. I think it could draw a lot. That's just my opinion. You know what? I could be wrong. They could do it and it could be terrible. But it has to be done correctly. Like maybe Hook goes missing just for Fighter Fest Night 2. And we don't don't hear anything from Cage at all. And then Fight for the Fallen. Then we we find out where Hook is. He was taken by Brian Cage. And you just show show Cage just punch him and beat him up and beat him up. like, Like a piece of meat. Like Rocky beating up the meat in the movies. That's what I would do. Really get to Taz. Really get to him. Like where Cage really wants his rematch, but he wants it one-on-one where there's no BS interference. Because Cage deserves a rematch, obviously. But that's what I would do right there. If Listen, if Tony Khan or anybody in AEW is somehow listening to this, please listen to this idea. Because I believe it could really work. That's how I would do it. And like I said, it has to be done correctly. It can't be done in a stupid way. You got to be very careful how you do it. That's all I'm saying. But I'd be all for it. I would love it. If that actually happens, it comes to fruition, I'd be like, holy shit. Please, please let this happen. It would be so good. You would really get people... People are invested already because now Cage is going to be a babyface and now Team Taz betrayed him. So people are already invested. But you can get a lot more people invested with this story. Just what I would do. If I'm writing it, that's what I would do. And it might not go in that direction. Most likely they won't. But I believe that's how you get the Taz right there. Like maybe like, you know, you have like... Like Brian Cage like on AEW Dark Elevation, like he demands a rematch. And then like Taz on Dynamite responds and says no. And then Hook is just missing, like, you know. Like he goes missing later on in the show. Like he's there and then he just disappears. That's what I would do. That's just what I would do. But we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens next. But after the match right there, we saw, you know, Malachi Black's debut last week, which still I was still very surprised in how it happened. That just to see him debut, it was crazy. And after we, we saw that from last week, we saw Cody Rhodes come out. He goes on the headset and says, you don't do that. You could have gave me a call. You know, you have the look, you know, kickboxing experience. The charisma, you didn't have to do that. You know, we don't do that over here. You don't kick a 62-year-old man where you know he can't get up. And I was like, damn, okay. And then Cody felt like he wasn't getting his message across. He asked for a microphone. He goes to the ring. He calls out Malachi Black. And then we see Malachi Black on the screen, on the Titan Tron, I should say. And he was telling, like, a story about, like, you know, a dead horse. 
you know, a horseman. You know, I, I got the reference right there. After watching it a second time, I was like, horseman. I got it. Yep, see, now I got it. <laughs> I, it took me a second to realize what he was talking about. I'm like, I got it. Talking about, like, why a guy killed the horse or killed this horse, whatever, you know. Because, you know, what, he wasn't the same anymore. So I got what he was saying. And then Cody was like, why don't you come down here, you know, and get in my face. And Malachi Black was like, I was hoping he would say that. And the lights go out. The lights come back on. And there he is in the ring. And they brought, it was a little brawl. It was really nothing, you know, until all the officials and security came out. And they separated them. So we're off to a really good start. Malachi Black's booking so far in AEW is better than what he was being booked as. And the other company in his last, you know, appearances that he was there. I'm just saying. I can't wait for Malachi Black versus Cody. They're going to put on an amazing match. They really are. Malachi has to win. He cannot lose to Cody. Cannot lose to Cody. And he won't. I don't think that's going to happen. Because Cody doesn't benefit from beating him. He just doesn't. You know, you really want to push Malachi Black to the roof right here? Or through the roof? He's got to beat Cody. Because the match will happen all out. So he's got to win, obviously. But we'll see. So now next segment right there when they came back from commercial. We saw, actually backstage at first, we saw Tully Blanchard talking with Alex Marvez. You know, what happened last week when Conan went after, you know, he was trying to go after the pinnacle. And then Tully Blanchard hit Conan with a chop block. And we saw Santana and Ortiz waiting for Tully Blanchard. And Ortiz grabs Tully and then looked like Santana had like, you know, it was like a crowbar. But it turns out to be a fake crowbar. And he said, next time it won't be fake. We were taught to respect our elders, and they just walk off. And Santana was saying, get your boys. And Tully was like, I'm going to get my boys. <laughs> I really thought they were going to beat up Tully. I was like, oh, my God, no way. They're going to really beat the shit out of him, but no. And they're not going to do this. See, they're, they're proving that they're better than uh, the Pinnacle. Because Conan got pile-drived back on Saturday Night Dynamite a couple weeks ago. And then Conan got chop-blocked by Tully last week at Road Rager. So Santana Ortiz proving that they're above, you know, you know, the pinnacle, like not going after an old man. I mean, Conan, well, I mean, Tully's older than Conan, but still, you know what I mean. Well, now the next time with Hangman and Page talking with Tony Schiavone inside the ring. And Hangman and Page was motivated. First time in a long time I've seen Hangman and Page motivated. Like he was just fired up and he was, seemed like he was in a really good mood. And he was about to challenge Kenny Omega for the AW World title until... Don Callis and the rest of the elite come out. Except Carl Anderson. He wasn't there. Well, I guess Carl Anderson, you could say, was getting patched up because he lost to Moxley, so it wouldn't make sense for him to be out there. So that, that's fair. But yeah, you know, they come out and Don Callis is like, you know, you're not going to challenge for anything. You're saying you're not that guy. And then Nick Jackson, the whole you're not that guy meme, and Nick Jackson was saying it, and Doc Al was saying he's not that guy, and then Matt Jackson grabs the mic. He says, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to his face. And Matt Jackson cut a pretty good promo saying, like, you know, we're the best friends that you abandoned. You chose us. And you chose a bunch of losers over us. Well, Hangman, yeah, he did betray the elite in a way. He did betray the Unbucks. Mostly betrayed the Unbucks. But he betrayed his best friends. So it's true. But the Dark Order took Hangman in as a best friend. And it's great to see that trust right there. You know, and then Matt Jackson, he said the Hangman Page is going to be the next, you know, wrestling, you know, tragedy. And I was like, oh, shit. And then Hangman, you know, punched Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson was like, oh, you don't have the balls to hit me. And Hangman's like, okay, say less. 
and he hit him, and then Nick Jax tried to get in. He jumped down, and then Kenny Omega gets in the ring. He's going to hit Hangman with the world title, but the whole Dark Order comes down, and they chase off the Elite. And then Hangman says, you know, he wants, he wants a match with Kenny. And then, you know, he's not leaving without a fight. And then Kenny Omega brings up a suggestion. You know, it's not the match that Hangman wants. It's the match that basically the Elite wants. A five-on-five elimination style match between the Elite versus Hangman and four other members of the Dark Lord. Hangman's like, well, that's not the match that I want, but that's fine. We'll deal with it. So how about this? Hangman says, if me and my guys win, I get a shot at the AEW World title, and they get a shot at the World Tag Team titles. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm kind of thinking, like, okay, like, who would, get, who would face the Young Bucks? Because you have... There's only two teams that are in the Dark Order, and that's Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. You have John Silver and Alex Reynolds. You know, unless you want to make five, and Alan Angel is number five, and Preston Vance, number 10, a team. I mean, that, I mean, I'm fine with that, I guess, but um, I'm like, all right. That's interesting. And then Kenny was, Kenny gets in the ring. And the whole crowd was chanting cowboy shit. Like, Hangman got a huge reaction, which was awesome. And then Kenny's like, you know, that's fair. But, you know, we don't get anything in exchange. So how about this? I'll give you a suggestion. If we beat you, not only does the Dark Order forfeit their tag team title shot, you forfeit your world title shot. And then you can see the Dark Order like, trying to talk to Hangman, saying, like, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't accept. But... Hangman was playing fair. He played very fair. And he accepted. So it's official right there. You know, I don't know if it's going to be next week or the week after Fight for the Fallen. But we will get the Elite versus the Dark Order and Hangman and Page in a 5-on-5 elimination style match. And if Hangman and the Dark Order win, Hangman gets a shot at the AEW World title. And one of the teams in the Dark Order get an AEW World Tag Team title shot. But if the Elite win... Hangman does not get, he forfeits his world title shot, and the Dark Order forfeits their tag team title shot. So that's pretty fair, though. That is pretty fair. Like, all right. Whenever it happens, I, don't, I doubt it's going to happen next week. So I believe it will happen at Fight for the Fallen. I believe it will be the main event for Fight for the Fallen. So I'm down. I'm down to see it. So then we get back from commercial. We saw Alex Marvez talking with Le Champion, the greatest professional wrestler who ever lived, Chris Jericho. You know, and they were talking about last week's segment with Jericho and MJF, you know, the five labors that Jericho has to go through. Like, you know, he's got to go, well, basically, like, he's got to go through four stages and then he gets MJF at the fifth stage, basically. You know, and Jericho was talking about, like, with Hercules, like, after he fought all those stages, he won. So Jericho's basically saying he's Hercules, that he's going to win. He's going to get through all these stages, he's going to get MJF, and he's going to beat him. So I'm like, all right, that sounds good. You know, and Jericho was talking about, like, you know, how he knows about Greek mythology and all that shit. And then Sean Spears and MJF come in. Sean Spears hits Jericho with a chair. And he's holding, he's like holding on to Jericho, make sure he doesn't get loose. And MJF says, here's your first labor. Next week, you go, you go through your first labor next week at Firefest Night 2 against my friend Sean Spears. And the stipulation is Sean Spears can use a chair, but you, Chris Jericho, cannot. So at Firefest night two next week, Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. Sean Spears can use a chair, but Jericho cannot. All right, that's fair. 
You know, it's going to be four matches with different stipulations. So Jericho cannot use a chair at all, but Sean Spears has all ill will to do it. He can use a chair as many times as he wants. But now we do get to the next match between Big Money Matt Hardy and Christian Cage. Like I said, it was the most like, it was the match that I really didn't enjoy that much on the show. Some people probably would say differently, you know. It was, just, it, it was great to see these two veterans go at it. It really was. You know, for Matt Hardy, who's 46, and Christian Cage is 47, you know, at the stage of their careers, you know, at the age that they're at, you know, I got to admit, it was it was really good to see these guys at their advanced age put on, you know, I really, I want to say it was a good match. I feel like it was, it was, de- it was decent to me is what it was. You know, it, I just feel like it was a decent match. We did, see, we did see some pretty cool spots, obviously. And it was one-on-one, you know, which was good as well. All right, fine. You know, I'll cave in. It was a good match. Okay, geez. It's just, you know, it, it really, it was. You know, seeing these guys at their older age, you know, they did put on a good match. You know, they've had a long rivalry for 23 years. All the matches they've been in, you know, seeing them one-on-one was really cool, though. It really was. And it was a good match for at their stage of their careers, you know. Because, you know, how much longer does Matt Hardy have? How much longer does Christian Cage have? Well, Christian Cage just came back in March. Matt Hardy's still been wrestling. He's never, you know, really taken a break like that long, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, Christian Cage was out of wrestling for seven years. Matt Hardy's been just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. He's never really had, you know, where, like, a, a layoff of, like, a year or two. You know what I mean? But... They put on a good match. They did. I got to admit, they did. Some pretty cool spots that, you know, that I saw. Christian Cage, especially when he flew on Matt Hardy. You know, when he was on the top row, Matt Hardy was outside the ring. And he just flew right on him. And I was like, holy shit. Like, damn. And believe me, I've been, you know, I was kind of skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of skeptical when Christian Cage came to AEW. Because I did say to myself, like, he hasn't wrestled in seven years. But he did appear in the Royal Rumble two months before that. In the WWE. So... But it's like, okay, but unlike Edge, Christian Cage is going to wrestle a full schedule. It's not going to be like part-time appearances. They're not going to do that. Well, Christian Cage doesn't wrestle every week, obviously. But he's there full-time. He's there for every show. He's not there just like, you know, oh, I'll come when I have to come. Like, no, he's actually there. You know what I mean? But... I was always skeptical because, like I said, he hadn't been, like, in the ring for seven years, you know. It's, like, of course, that worry right there. Like, okay, does he still got it? He absolutely does. And Matt Hardy obviously still has it, you know, because, like I said, they were doing some pretty cool top rope spots. I think Matt Hardy should take off his shirt, to be honest. The truth is the truth shirt. Like, you know, just just doesn't look right when he's wrestling, to be honest. It's just my opinion. But whatever. <laughs> but, no, Matt Hardy's in great shape at this age in his career. Same with Christian Cage. Christian Cage looks amazing. And so was Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was kind of like, you know, fat a decade ago when he was in TNA, when he wrestled RVD, when he debuted in TNA. He was, oh, God, he was overweight. He was like a, he was like Jericho last year. Like, as Jericho really let himself out of shape going in, like, late to 2020. He was, he was getting out of shape. But thank God Jericho's in, he's in better shape now. Because, yeah, he was really starting to look bad last year. He just didn't look, he didn't look good at all. He looked terrible. But no, like I said, good match between these two legends right here. Going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. We already know that. And it was a really close match. You know, I really thought Matt Hardy, because he, he did cheat. 
he grabbed the referee, you know, and then he kicked Christian Cage in the balls. Referee didn't see it, obviously. And then he hit the twist of fate off Christian Cage. And I thought that was it. But Christian Cage kicked out. And then Matt Hardy put his new submission move on Christian Cage outside the ring. And it looked like Christian Cage was knocked out. But he had that Superman ability right there that all the wrestlers have. At the count of nine, they get up and they get right back in the fucking ring. Like an adrenaline rush. Got back in, did a couple more spots. Hit the kill switch on Matt Hardy. One, two, three. Christian Cage gets the W. Like I said, good match for these two. You know, the way that they are later on in their career, the stages that they're at in their career right now, this was a good match. It was. And after the match you saw, we did see Angelico and Private Party come out, part of the HFO. But here came Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. They chased them off. So Christian Cage really does have an alliance here in AEW with Jungle Boy or Jurassic Express in general. And, you know, Christian Cage was on top of Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus, like, you know, held him up above his shoulders. And you saw, like, Jungle Boy gave Christian Cage a little bit of a stare. Like, maybe Christian Cage tried to steal his thunder. So I think we're going to get... This might be an early prediction, but I believe it all out. We're going to get Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. And that match... That would be a good match. And Christian Cage has not lost in AEW just yet. I mean, yeah, he did lose in the Battle Royal, but he has not been pinned yet. So you got to remember that. I think Jungle Boy would be the right one to pin him. I'd be down. I'd be so down to see that. And we did see Miro backstage. I'm kind of wondering, like, when Miro's going to wrestle one of these four events. I'm kind of thinking maybe it'll be next week or the week after. I'm hoping. Yeah, he's got to defend the title. I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, thing like who, who is like Miro going to work like a long term program with? Because he hasn't had a long term program yet as TNT champion. Like you said the longest one was definitely um, Lance Archer. Other than that, he just had like open challenges. You know. He hasn't had, like, a long program with somebody just yet. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of waiting on it. I think, I think we're all waiting on that. But he got a new strap for the belt. So that was pretty cool. But Miro's cut a really good promo. It's like, you know... When he debuted in AEW Miro as Kip Sabian's best man... You look back on it. It's like, it was... Just seeing him come out, though... Seeing Miro come out was awesome. But he had that... You know, that bleach blonde hair and a Mickey Mouse shirt, Mickey Minnie Mouse, whatever the fuck, and just his whole, how, his whole outfit was just, what the fuck? You know what I mean? You look back on it back then last year, it was like, okay, yeah, it was cool to see him, but oh my god, like, what the fuck was that outfit? Just much better seeing him, like, be a monster, like, who we really should be. Ever since he dumped Kip Save and got rid of him, you know, Miro's been on a tear. You know, his new theme song music. I mean, I like the best man theme song music, but now it fits because he's not a best man anymore. You know what I mean? He's not Kip Sabian's best man. That's what his theme song is basically all about. Now he's the Redeemer. He's God's favorite champion. He's doing fucking good. He really is. He seriously, seriously has just seen him be the monster that he should have been entering AEW. He shouldn't have came in like all... Like, he was trying to, like, be somebody else. You know what I mean? He was kind of trying to be, like, his real-life character. Like, oh, you know, I'm the best gamer. Because he does play on... He does, he does stream on Twitch, which is... Which I think, you know, is cool, obviously. I think, you know, you got to make extra money. That's perfectly fine. But, of course, in the other company, they won't allow you to do that third-party platform. Unless the big boss, Vinnie Mac, gets a little bit of money there. Just saying. But, you know, when he was talking about like that, I was like, okay, so he's getting, like, too personal. We don't want to hear about your real life. We want to... 
know why you're here in AEW. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to be the best man and everything. Okay, you know. It's just whatever. You know what I mean? Well, it's great to see, like, a whole character change and see him, you know, doing better, obviously. But now we do get to the next... Was the next segment? Yeah, it was another next segment right here with Tony Schiavone in the ring. And he's about to interview Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the AEW Women's World Champion. Here she comes to the ring, and she cut another great promo. I saw somebody on Twitter say that Britt Baker's lost her fire since Double or Nothing. I'm like, are you drunk? Like, seriously? After the last two promos, well, this guy said it, like, last week, I think, after Road Rage. I'm like, after the promos right there, she's talking about Saudi Arabia. Uh, the blood money, I mean, like, seriously, she's lost her fire. Just stop. I'm like, oh, my God. But she cut a really good promo, you know, getting ready for next week. She's facing Nyla Rose for the AW Women's World title. You know, saying, oh, my first title defense against Nyla. You know, she's beaten me. This time will be different. She said Vicky Guerrero will forever be relevant in wrestling because of her last name. And the whole crowd was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> That was something. Nyla Rose won't be relevant. She won't be able to keep Vicky relevant. And, of course, Britt Baker, you know, said she's going to win, obviously, next week. So we get ready for that. And then we did see Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose backstage. And Vicky Guerrero said she was going to shove a jalapeno up Britt Baker's ass. I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, Nyla Rose said she's giving her she's going to give Britt Baker a world-class ass whooping. But I forgot to mention, actually, we did see Andrade early on in the show. Talking with Alex Abrahantes backstage. And Alex is going to ask him a question. But Andrade's like, I want to ask you a question. Where is the death triangle? Where, you know, where's Penta, Ray Phoenix, and Pac? So is Andrade trying to form an alliance with death triangle? Or is he going to start a feud with death triangle? So more to come on that. That'll be very interesting. I'm like, okay, that's something for Andrade to do long term right now. Him versus Ray Phoenix and Pence and Pack. Oof. That would be something. That would be that would be a lot of good matches right there. But now we do get to the next match, right, between Sammy Guevara and uh, Wheeler Yuta. And I actually never heard of Wheeler Yuta until a couple weeks ago after he beat Ryan Nemeth on AEW Dark Elevation, I believe it was. And he also won last week as well. And he's formed like an alliance with the best friends. So that's pretty interesting. They showed it. In the replay from last week, so I'm like, all right. So now you get to know a little more about him, and I, I instantly became a fan of Will Yuta after this match. He put on a pretty good match with Sammy Guevara, and this, the hometown kid, Sammy Guevara from Houston, Texas. You know, get a nice ovation, and him and Yuta put on a good match. It was a short match, but it was a good match, and I really enjoyed. It. Like I said, I instantly became a fan of Will Yuta. I was like, okay, this kid's good. Like I said, hadn't heard about him till a couple weeks ago. But he put on a good match. He put on a good match. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Pretty cool spots in this match and what they were doing. You know, Yuta looked great. You know, Sammy looked great as always. You know, Sammy's going to be a huge star, like I've mentioned plenty of times in this company. We already know that for a fact. And Sammy Guevara, you know, like I said, short match. He got the victory over Yuta. That was expected. But he made Yuta look really good. And, and, he did make Yuta look good. He really did. He made him. It almost seemed like Sammy was the veteran in this match, because then he patted him on the back, gave him a thumbs up after the match. So you know, basically saying like, "Good work," and it was definitely good work. They put on a good match. Enjoyed it. 
It's a good win for Sammy. It was definitely a big win right there for Sammy, and that was huge. It was a huge win. Then we saw, actually after Britt Baker's segment, we saw John Moxley accept Lance Archer's challenge for a Texas death match for next week for the IWGP United States Championship. So there we go. But now the next match, right here, like the, the result really shocked me, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I forgot, actually forgot to mention uh, before this match between Penelope Ford and Yuka Sakazaki, we did see QT Marshall with Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo getting interviewed by Shivani, and I was like, it was that was earlier on in the day, and QT Marshall didn't like Tony's attitude, and he took Solo's coffee and spilled it all over Shivani. I'm just like, okay, it, it just seemed kind of pointless, I guess. Like, okay, you know what I really want to see next week. Because we did see Dustin Rhodes go after Solo last week during the uh, South Beach Strap match. What I, I want to see this next week. I want to see Dustin Rhodes and a partner of his choosing wrestle Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado. And you know who that partner of choosing could be? Fuego Del Sol. Because you know, Fuego Del Sol and Dustin Rhodes have that father-son relationship on uh, Sammy Guevara's vlog. That would be that would be a huge, a huge way to introduce Fuego Del Sol and announce that he's officially signed to AEW. That would be huge. I was thinking about that before when I was on my walk. That would be something. I don't know if it'll happen though. I really hope it does. But now with the next match right here, Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazaki. It was the first time we saw Yuka on Dynamite in 16 months. It's been a long time, a year and four months we've seen her. And Listen, Penelope Ford, she's improved a lot. And like I said, the result of this match really shocked me. It really did. You know, seeing Penelope Ford, you know, by herself right now, she's, you know, she's pretty underrated, to be honest. You know, she, you know, the way she moves, the way, the way she's moved, she's moved a whole lot better. I feel like she moved, like, very slow, you know, before. But she's moved in the ring. She's moved pretty good in the ring recently, I will say. I'm very impressed by her work, kind of like I'm impressed like with the Bunny's work because she was kind of moving pretty slow in the ring, but recently she's improved, so I'm impressed by Penelope Ford, and Yuka I like, you know, I remember her wrestling Britt Baker back in January last year, and Britt Baker knocked one of the teeth out, like I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I don't know if it was one tooth or two teeth, I have no idea, but Yuka did pretty good. She did pretty good in this match. Felby Ford had a great performance as well. And Yuka got the win. And I was so surprised. I was like, wow. I thought Penelope Ford was getting like a push. And they were going to do something with her and Britt Baker soon. But no. They gave Yuka the win over Britt Baker. I was really surprised. I was like, wow. Okay. So maybe we're going to get a program between Yuka and Britt Baker pretty soon. Where Yuka wants revenge for what Britt Baker did to her. Back in January last year. Like, okay. You got my in- you piqued my interest right here. That sounds good. But now next week at Fighter Fest Night 2, it'll be Dr. Britt Baker DMD defending her AEW Women's World Title against the native beast Nyla Rose. We also have Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. And the stipulation of the match is Sean Spears can use a chair, but Chris Jericho cannot. We also have Orange Cassidy versus The Blade. That'll be an interesting match. And 
It's official for the IWGP United States Championship. John Moxley will be defending his title against the Murderhawk monster Lance Archer in a Texas death match. And I really hope that's the main event. Like the way the card looks right now, because I'm sure they'll add like one or two more matches, I'm sure. Or maybe just one, whatever they want to do. I really think that match should main event. It really should. But now we do get to the main event right here at Fighter Fest Night 1, the coffin match between the strange enigma Darby Allen and all-ego Ethan Page. And it was the first ever coffin match in AEW. I'm sure it won't be the last. I'm sure they'll probably do a couple more down the line. And I got to say, I was really impressed seeing Ethan Page in the main event. You know, like I said, everything that he's done, Ethan Page, you know, from wrestling himself on a green screen, was it this year with TNA? Yeah, it's like seeing that. I actually saw a little bit of it. I mean, I turned it off. It was stupid. It was really stupid, to be honest. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, I can't believe he actually went through with that. I can't believe he actually did that. Oh, you see, like, I'm sure if there was no pandemic at all, I'm sure that wouldn't even have happened. I'm sure that wouldn't have happened. I'm sure, like, he tried to get creative. You could tell that he was trying way too hard. Like, that was, oh, my God. It was, I could see why people hated it so much. It was terrible. Uh, but he's really reviving his career here in AEW, you know. Will he ever be a world champion? I mean, will people take him seriously if they put a belt on him after seeing what happened back at TNA? I mean, I don't know if they will. I don't know if people take him seriously. I don't know if he'll draw as champion. I mean, he draws as a heel. People don't like him. They were chanting, fuck you, Paige, during the match. So he obviously draws as a heel. So I think that's what you want to keep him at. You don't want to turn him into a babyface. So he draws as a heel, but I don't know would he would he would he really draw as a champion? I just don't know. That's a lot. That's a big question right there. You have to ask yourself, like, would he draw as the AW World Champion? Would he draw as TNT Champion? If him and Sky were to win the tag team championships, would they draw? I just don't know. I think Sky would draw as a World Champion, TNT Champion. But I just don't know if Ethan Page can. And I like him ever since he's ever since he's debuted in AEW. I like him. I like his character. I like his cockiness. You know, I just don't know if he'll draw as a champion. Like, I just don't know if he will. I just don't know. I don't think he can. That's just my opinion after what happened in TNA. If that never happened in TNA, then different story. That's a whole different story. If, if that didn't happen back in TNA, that whole karate thing, wherever his alter ego was, and he fought himself on the green screen, if that never happened, Different story. Then I would say, yeah, he could definitely be world champion. He would draw. But right now, I don't think he can. I mean, it's great to see him after wrestling himself on a green screen. To wrestling Sting and then wrestling in the main event against Darby Allen who's going to be a future world champion, obviously. And Darby Allen had a great TNT title run. But, you know, during this match, we did see Scorpio Sky was in. It was early in the match, I should say. Scorpio Sky was in the coffin. And he went after Darby Allen. Then Sting came out, chased him off. And then they fought like in the crowd, and you, you don't see them. So now it's one on one, no BS now. But of course, you could do it's you know anything goes. And Ethan Page is kicking the shit out of Darby. He, you know he was. I just you look at the size difference. Ethan Page is much bigger than Darby. Like holy shit. Like damn, he was really beating the shit out of him. And then he grabbed one of like the turnbuckles. He had like the hook, and like he was hooking at Darby's neck. And then Darby had him down. And he was hooking like at his teeth. I'm like holy shit. 
And then when Ethan Page, he did an Eagle's Edge on the Steel Steps Derby. And I thought it was over after that. I legit thought it was over. And the crowd was getting pissed. They were booing Page. I'm like, oh, they're going to be pissed if Page wins this match. And I really felt like Page could have won this match, to be honest. But it's like Derby's match. It's, you know, coffin drop, coffin match, whatever the fuck. I really thought Darby was done after the Eagles Edge. I thought, like, oh, no, he's done. There's no way he's going to win now. But Darby, he's relentless, like it says on the back like on the back of his neck. He has a tattoo that says relentless. And that's exactly what he is. And he was able, you know, he was able to escape a suplex. He was digging his, uh, digging his fingers in Ethan Page's eyes. And then he grabbed the skateboard. And then he fucking hit him with the skateboard on his back. Like, flew on him with the skateboard. Drilled him in the back. And, he fall, and then Ethan Page falls into the fucking coffin. Darby shuts it. Darby Allen wins the coffin match. But that's not it, though. After he was celebrating, he moved the coffin, like, a little bit. Like, a little more towards the ring. And to put the final nail in the coffin, he hits a coffin drop on the closed coffin on Ethan Page. And that's it right there. I was like, gee, I was like, you insane motherfucker. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe he actually did that. I was like, no fucking way. This man, Darby, has no limits. A great ending to a really good show. I mean, obviously, last week's ending with the Young Bucks and Penta and Kingston was obviously BS, you know. That's just the Young Bucks. Being heels, obviously, you're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to hate it. You're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to get mad. You're supposed to be pissed about it. But you'll tune in next week anyway. But no. Great ending to an amazing show. I can't wait for Fighter Fest Night 2 next week. And I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. I don't know when's the next time I'll talk to you guys right now. I'm scheduled to talk to you guys next Thursday to review Fighter Fest Night 2. If anything in sports comes up, like the NBA Finals, whenever it comes to an end of the series, it's tied up at 2 with the... Uh, Bucks and Sun, so of course when the finals end, I'll definitely talk about it and break it down, and whoever wins, obviously, but for right now, um, I'll talk to you guys next Thursday. If anything comes up, I'll definitely talk to you guys, but I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend, enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you guys pretty soon. Good night, guys.